uh, Jody Kimrello's been to some paintball thing in, where'd you go, Houston? Yeah. Man, it's, he said, it's so much, it's much, it's a lot of fun to shoot somebody. I said, I said well, I shoot people every Sunday. <laughs> it's the word, okay? Sometimes it hits you and you go, oh, okay, I needed that. Sometimes you dodge it. Yeah. And it hits the person behind you, which is what you wanted it to do all along. How many children do we have here that are under, under uh, 10 years of age? 10 and under. <laughs> 10 and under. Stand up. Oh, they are standing. I'm just kidding. Man, this is, a, this is cool looking. We actually have a couple of chairs here and here. So if you're still standing, there is room. You may not like that person next to you, you want to sit next to, but hey, they're nice, I promise you. So we're glad you're here this morning on Family Sunday. We do this the first Sunday of every month. And um, we used to say it's to give our workers a break, but really that's not the reason we do it. We want our children to know what it's like to worship in big church. We want our children to see mom and dad worship through giving. We want our children to see mom and dad worship actually worship and lead their children in worship. And when you prayed over your children, I don't know, some of you might not have prayed over your children this week. So you had an opportunity to pray over your kids and bless your children this week. Uh, It's important, guys. It's important what we do as families. Uh, So I just want to bless you all to receive the word today. I'm I'm talking about yielding. I'm in the the prayer series. P was for positioning, 2 Chronicles 20, remember? Being positioned in our prayer life. Uh, the R was for remembrance, remembering. That was our Thanksgiving message, so to speak. Last week, I'm going to give you a test. It was, the A was for what? Abide. Wow. How many of you knew it was abide? How many of you did not remember? Okay. Okay, I'm going to give you, an, it's going to be a little more difficult. What, what uh, scripture did I use? John chapter? No, 15. I was in 14, but basically it was in 15, so that was good. I'll give you, you get it, you get a. Uh, a gold star for both of those, if you said 14 or 15. So today I'm, I'm, I'm preaching on yielding. How many of you, when you think of the word yield, do you think you have an image of a yield sign come up in your head? How many of you have ever had a wreck because you didn't yield or the other person didn't yield? Wow. Oh, man, you're going to really get this message. You know, yielding means to give way. And that's one of the issues in our, in our prayer life. I think that sometimes we fail at. We fell out because we're not willing to yield. So this, the scriptures I have this morning, I want you to try to keep up. If you can't, they'll be on the screen, and they're going to try to keep up with me. But when I began to study this word yield, I thought of, of uh, how, would I, how would I broach this subject of yielding? And so I found this passage in Romans 12 that I thought really fit what God wanted me to share with you, but the word yield wasn't in there. Isn't that amazing? Because I always had that the word in there if it's an acronym. And so today we're going to be talking about yielding, but actually it's in Romans 12. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 12. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. I'm just going to read two verses there, and then we'll look at some other verses concerning yielding. Paul says, I beseech. In other words, man, I'm, I'm asking him. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. We, have, we serve a merciful God, right? That you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, I mean set apart, acceptable. We know what that means to God, which is... Your reasonable service. That's not your dynamic, over-the-top service. Just what is expected of us. And do not be conformed to this world. Now, that means a lot. I think when the Apostle Paul wrote that, he had no idea what 
being conformed to the world would look like in this day and age, in the 21st century. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Say the word transformed. By the renewing of your mind. Or another good word for renewing of your mind is repentance, changing the way you think. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So you think, well, pastor, there's nothing in there about yielding. But I want to show you where the, the word yield is in there in the Greek. The Greek word for present. Y'all see the word present in the first verse? First, the, the first verse, y'all see there? That you present your bodies. Y'all see that? Okay. The Greek word is paristeme. Paristeme. Say paristeme. You just learned a Greek word. That means yield. Okay? Or present. Now, if you look at Romans 6, 19, in the King James Version, it says this. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as you have yielded your members, servants, to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members, servants, to righteousness unto holiness. The word yield there is the same Greek word. Paristeme. And the same Greek word is for present. So what he is saying in Romans 12, 1, is I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you yield your bodies. And that word bodies also means your life as a what kind of sacrifice? A living sacrifice, which is, your, which is holy and acceptable, God, which is your reasonable service. Okay? Now, when I began to look at this thing about yielding, I thought, the whole Bible is about yielding. From the cover to cover, the Bible is all about yielding. I never even thought about it. All, it's always about giving way to God's plan for their lives. And you can go back and study all the great men and women of the Bible, and you'll find out that at one point or another, they had to yield to God's plan for them to be successful, for, them, for, the, for God to work out his plan, for God to do what he had to do. Noah had to yield. He had to one day say, okay, God, I'll build a boat. I don't know what a boat is, but I'll build an ark. He had to yield his will to God's will. So this morning, as we talk about our prayer life, I want you to understand there are some things maybe that you haven't yielded to God, and maybe that's why your prayers aren't being answered. Maybe that's why things aren't going so well in your life. Maybe it's because you've been failing to yield, okay? So let me, here's some definitions for yield, and I want to show you some scriptures that go along with that. First one is to give forth a natural product or be productive. How many of you have ever heard about a crop being a, a, a a pastor yielding a crop. You ever heard of that? Well, that's in Scripture. When it gives up the ground, it gives up its way for, for the plant, for the seed to be sown, and the, the water to be poured, and the fertilizer, and all those things, it yields a crop. It says in Matthew 13, 8, But other seeds fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. So in your prayer life, if you're willing to yield, when you pray, there's some a crop that can come as a result of that, and it will be, it will be a very pro- productive. The Bible, last week we talked about bear much fruit, that it may remain. So we are, in a sense, we're a field, and God's planted the word in us, and he wants us to yield the crop. All right? The second de- definition is to produce a return for effort or investment. A lot of you that know about yielding in, in, in financial terms, well, the Bible speaks of that in Matthew 25 where they had the talents. And one of the guys he took and he invested his talents and he made more, right? His yield was greater than the one who buried his talent. The next one is to give up as in defeat, surrender, or submit. That's another terminology or, or definition for yielding. Think about how Jesus said in Matthew 16, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. 
For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world, loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? We sing, I surrender all. I surrender all. And the Bible teaches that unless you surrender all, you can't receive all. You've got to come to the place of yielding everything. And that's a process, isn't it? Man, you think you've yielded everything, then God goes, Harold, you missed one. I need you to yield that area of your life. Okay, Father. And as you understand it and learn it, you begin this process of yielding. Another definition for yield is to give way to pressure or to force. Going back to Romans 6 that we just read earlier, it talks about how if we give in to the iniquity of our, in our flesh, then our bodies becomes, can become sick. But he says we are supposed to yield, he says, even now yield your members, servants to righteousness unto holiness. So if we're yielding our life to Christ, listen, we're going to be living a holy and a righteous life, more so than the other kind of life that so many people choose to live, even as Christians. Another definition for for yield is to give way to argument, persuasion, influence, or entreaty. Listen, the enemy wants you to live a life of compromise. The enemy always wants you to give in. That's why we call them little white lies. If, if, you can just, if you can understand that a lie is just a little white lie, then you'll tell a little white lie because you won't think anything about it. But that's compromise, isn't it? We took this strengths finders test in our leadership, and, and one of the def- we, it finds your five, five strengths, not your weaknesses. In other words, people, they always want to focus on their weaknesses and make their weaknesses better. But this book teaches that you need to find on your strengths and begin to build on your strengths. And so and when you do this test, it's like one of those ministry tests, where uh, uh, ministry gifts tests. And I took the test, and I came up with my five strengths. And I, one of them that I remember was belief. Belief. And I think it's cool. I mean, I think it's good that a pastor has a belief, has a core value. And he knows. And that was one of my deals that I, I know right from wrong. And listen, I, I, I try to live right and not wrong. But I see it in other people. And I don't want you to live wrong. I want you to live right. I see right and wrong pretty clearly. I see black and white pretty clearly. I think when I see the word, I think I see it clearly. And when I, and when I uh, present the word to you, I believe that it's, it's presented to you clearly, even when I stutter. <laughs> Galatians 3, 1 through 3 says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Who's convinced you that you should not obey the truth before those who eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? This only I want to learn from you, Paul says. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? He's talking about the grace legalism thing. Are you so foolish having begun in the Spirit? So are you now being made perfect by the flesh? In other words, Paul was saying, quit, being, quit letting the world influence you. Quit letting religion influence you. Yield to the spirit of truth. And then the last definition I had was to give up one's place as to one that is superior. And I thought one of the greatest passages I could ever find that concerns that issue was John the Baptist. When John the Baptist was, he was the forerunner of Christ. He was born before Christ and he was the one making a way in the wilderness for Jesus. Remember? And when Jesus showed up, his disciples said, well, should we go follow him? And John said this, he says, he, he's speaking of Jesus, must increase, but I, he's speaking of himself, must decrease. In other words, he was understanding that he had to yield to superior authority. Listen to what it says in the rest of that verse. Verse 31 of John 3. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He is speaking about himself. He who comes from heaven is above all. 
Yielding to the king of kings is a better idea than yielding to John the Baptist. He's saying, guys, disciples, yield to him. I've got to go away. I, I was just here for a reason. I was here for a purpose. But he is here now. So yield to Jesus. Follow Jesus. Submit to Jesus. I don't know about you, but when I'm on a freeway, and I'm driving on a freeway, and like that's said 65, 75 miles per hour. We were just in San Antonio this week. And, and, and I just got to tell you, I'm not, that, I'm not a big fan of, of, of freeways in San Antonio. I mean, the people there, they think they own the, the highway. They don't know I'm from San Angelo. We don't drive that way. Okay? And, and so how many of you know when you're exiting one of those freeways, there's an, there's an access road? You know what I'm talking about? And what do they have on the access road that's supposed to keep you safe? A yield sign. Okay? I love it when they came up with the, yield, with the, with the, the pavement where it was a white line that went longer. You know what I'm talking about? And they've got to stay over there. But how many times have you seen people cross the solid white line? And I'm going, I'm looking in my rear view mirror. No, you're not supposed to cross that. You can't cross it until it's cut up. And, but you'll see, that, and it's usually, I think it's like the locals. They don't think that white line has anything to do with them. They're going to cross it if they want to. But I want to tell you something this morning. When we're driving in the highway of life and we fail to yield, guess what happens when you fail to yield and the other person fails to yield? Crash. Bam. You know, there's, a, there's a, an accident. You end up in the gutter, whatever it is. And that's what happens in our life, church. When you fail to yield to the plans and purposes of God, accidents happen. You end up on a dead-end road. You end up doing things you know you shouldn't have done. You wake up and you go, how did I end up here? How did I end up in the gutter? Well, because you failed to yield to the king. Matter of fact, you tried to run him off the road. He doesn't run off the road easy. And next time you want to get in a race and you think you can do a demolition thing on God, he's going to win. He's not. He, he's, he's, he is truth. So you're not going to try to sway him with your lies. You're not going to try to sway him with convince him, well, God, I really didn't need that. I really did want to do that. He's not going to, oh, yeah, I know. I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have disciplined you for that. No, God's not going to do that. An effective prayer life, church, begins when you and I are willing to yield to God's will. I'm going to make some references here, too, because I love Christmas. How many of you love Christmas? Some of you, I know, I'm the, don't do the bah humbug thing. Uh, 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 uh. You can get upset with all the other stuff that goes along with it, but Christmas means the birth of Christ. All that other stuff, that's the world. But I love Christmas. I love, I love the resurrection. I love, I love the life of Christ. And so, man, we couldn't have the life of Christ if we didn't have the birth. And it's a beautiful thing. And I know so many people think, well, it's just, it's just a lot of hoopla and it's all been, it's been commercialized. Listen, that's up to you what you're going to do with Christmas. You don't have to be conformed to the world. Okay? Oh, well, I'll just tell you, you know, this is the way it is. No, you don't have to be conformed to the world. But effective prayer life begins when we enter, when, when we are willing to yield our life to Christ's life. The first example I want to show you that is in the, the life of Joseph. Turn to Matthew 1. I want to read these. It doesn't take long to read these, but I love this because we're in December. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. 
After his mother Mary was betrothed or engaged to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. Pretty nice guy, huh? You know what he could have had done to her? Stoned. That was what the law would say. So he was a really nice guy. He was going to just put her away secretly. Some of you guys think, hey, I'd like to put her. <laughs> but while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to, make, to take to your... Take to you, Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is trans- translated God with us. Isn't that nice? Angel told him, this is how it's going to be. And Joseph, it's going to be cool. And Joseph, you're, you're just a godly man, and so I just want you to receive this and, and yield to my plan. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife. And he did not know her till she brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name, what? Jesus. I believe Joseph had a choice. Do y'all believe he had a choice? I definitely do. I, I just believe that the Bible teaches that we all have choices in every, all the decisions that we make. God doesn't force us to do anything. He gives us a choice. I think he gave Joseph a choice. Now, did he know what Joseph was going to do? Sure he did. But Joseph still had the choice. He knows what you're going to do, but you still have a choice with the, what you're going to do the rest of the day. Right? So Joseph had a choice. He, he could have gone, um, that is really cool that she's going to have a baby. It's, it's not mine, right, angel? It's not my baby. It's the Holy Spirit is giving her a baby. And so you want me to go ahead and take her as my wife? And, and there might be a little ridicule. There might be some people pointing fingers at us. We might be a little bit ostracized, you know, right? But yeah, yeah, I'll do it. See, God speaks to you. God calls you. He calls me. And he says for us to do some things. He asks us. He says, when you're praying, when you, well, are you willing to yield to my plan and my purpose for your life? It's cool when we look at Joseph and it's really easy to say, well, Joseph, man, that was, I would have done it if I was Joseph. Yeah, right. It's easy to say. It's easy to look back and say those things, right? But he had to make a decision and he had to make a decision Quickly, man, he didn't have much time to make this choice. And he says, it says, what did he went, he got up from sleep and he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. Matter of fact, he just said, okay, Lord, if that's your plan, I yield to your will. Same thing for Mary. Luke 1, 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel of Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. I would have to be on the floor. I would be out as soon as the angel showed up, right? And look what she responds. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. Really? Would you be troubled at his saying? I think so. Angel shows up, tells you to do something. Would you be troubled at it? Probably, especially if it was of this magnitude. God shows up all the time, church. 
He shows you his word. He said, this is what I have for you. He shows up to you in dreams and in visions. And he said, this is what I want from you. And sometimes we're troubled at what he says. Oh, that must be for somebody else, not for me. Angel, I think that was my neighbor next door that needed that word. I mean, I preach every Sunday, and and I'm not foolish enough to to think that everybody thinks it's just for them. I mean, I have people come up to me once in a while and say, man, that that message was right for me, Pastor. But most of the time, you're thinking it's for your wife, or the wives are thinking it's for their husband, or it's for your boss. Man, I wish my boss was here to hear this message, right? She was troubled at his saying, and consider what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. So God's telling you this morning, don't be afraid if he's called you to do something. Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son. You shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and he'll be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. In his kingdom of his kingdom, there will be no end. And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also, that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Can you imagine this 13, 14, 15-year-old girl, this angel's telling her all this revelation, sharing all this with her. And listen, you're going to have a baby conceived by the It's the Son of God. Hmm. And Mary said to the angel, how can this be, since I do not know a man? Just an honest reply from a young girl. Lord, <clears throat> I don't know, thought about this, but <laughs> I haven't been with a man. <sighs> Look at verse 36. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her, who is called barren. With God, nothing will be impossible. How many of you, I'm just going to be, let's just get down to brass tacks. How many of you believe that you've heard from God before? Oh, wow. Okay. How many of you, for you, it was like in a vision? How many of you had a vision? I've had a vision before. That's a lot of you. How many of you was it through a dream? Wow. How many of it was through a sermon? Oh, good, I want to keep preaching then because there's a bunch of you. What other ways? Holy Spirit, through the Word, and the combination of, right? You're reading the Scripture, Holy Spirit takes that Word, magnifies it, and put, oh, that's for you? Okay. So y'all believe He still speaks to you? Oh, Okay. Some of you may have heard from him, and it seemed like it was an impossible thing. Outside your realm of comfort, outside your realm of expertise. And then you read this passage where the angel says, For with God, nothing will be impossible. You think that was just for Mary? I think it's for you. I think it's for me. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord let it be to me according to your word. And he's, she's acknowledging this word has come from God himself. 
Your word, he speaks, she's speaking about the angel, and the angel departed from her. I love that pat I love that verse. Let it be to me according to your word. Because some of you, the word of God has been very clearly preached. You've understood the word. You've had a call on your life. You had a dream. You've had a vision. Whatever it was. And you have said, wow, let it be to me according to your word. But you're not living it. Because you haven't yielded to the word. Does that make sense? So unless you're willing to yield, listen guys, there's going to be some accidents on the freeway. Jesus taught his very own disciples, one of the first lessons he taught them was to yield. When you go back and they say, well, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. We're not exactly sure how you want us to pray. And he said, pray in this manner. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. We think it's my kingdom come. My will be done, right? That's how we want to roll. We want everything the way we want to, the way we want it. And God says, listen, if you're going to pray this prayer, mean it. I was sharing this morning. I got to thinking how many times that prayer has probably been prayed. How many of you know that prayer by heart? Most everybody does. Our Father, which art in heaven or who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. How many of you prayed that before? Have you recited it before? Yeah. Millions and millions and millions and trillions of times that's, that prayer has been prayed. And people forget. I mean, it took me a while to figure out what he meant by his kingdom come, his will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. I've never been taught really how much he really wants heaven to come to earth. And that's in the area of healing. That's in the area of every area of our life. Whatever it's like in heaven, he wanted it to be that way on earth. That's why he created this earth. That's why he created the Garden of Eden. That's why he created Adam and Eve. He wanted heaven to come to earth. But we fail to yield and so we don't experience his, his, his kingdom on earth. We'll pray that prayer. We'll say it till the cows come home. Oh, yeah, I know that prayer, Pastor. But unless you really understand what you're saying and praying, listen, there's no action behind what you're praying. Yielding in prayer must result in yielding in our lifestyle. This is where I want to go with this. Almost through. Go back to Romans 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present or yield your bodies a living sacrifice, your life, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I was talking to our staff this week, and we had our prayer time. And I said, you know that word, prove? I've, I've seen that word proved many times. I've read that scripture many times. And I got to thinking, what does that really mean? If we're going to yield ourselves to the Lord, present our bodies as a living sacrifice, and that's our reasonable service, then what did he mean by and do not, that, that we are prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? What does that mean? It means the application part. It means to practice what you're praying. To practice the word of God where it's applied to your life. 
You understand what I'm saying? You can pray and pray and pray. God, I submit. God, I surrender. God, I yield and walk right out the door and do everything your own way. And you can pray and it doesn't it won't make any difference unless you're willing to apply the prayer. And that's what I believe he's teaching there, that we that word prove means practice. Put it into practice, church. Yielding to God's will. Listen, it's an ongoing process of renewing your mind. Say renew. You know, that that means something is is constantly being changed or renewed. The way you think, the way you act. All these things are a process. See, if I were here and sitting here and telling you, you need to yield your life to God, and if you don't yield your life to God, you're going to go to hell, we'd all be going to hell, right? Because we don't always yield our lives to Christ at all times, do we? But I want to tell you this. As you yield, God will show you other places to yield. Once you, once you come to this place and say, God, I yield this area of my life to you. It's been a real problem. There's been some rebellion. There's been some things going on. And God says, will you renew your mind and begin to change the way you think about that situation in your life or about that action of your life? Yes, God, would you give me the strength to do that? Yes, he will. And once you get that, then God will say, okay, now we got that covered. Let's work on something else. It's the same way we do with our children. We teach them one thing. We don't just quit teaching them because they learn one thing, do we? I mean, you teach them that don't touch the fire, and they got that down, but then you teach them not to jump off the bridge, right? I mean, we, it's a constant renewing of the mind. It's the same thing applies to us as believers this morning. He wants us to constantly give in, submit to his will. Now, I want to tell you that the, the greatest passage I believe that would apply to all of this is in Mark 14. 36, and it's, another, it's in another gospel. And this is what I want to close with. Jesus was fully God, but he was also fully man. Say man. He knew what he was facing. He knew that he was facing the cross. Fully God. He knew the pain he was going to go through. He knew the suffering that was going to take place. Right? And yet the fully man part of him went to the garden. He told his disciples, would you guys watch? Would you pray? i got to get along with my father. He, got a little, he went a little bit further into the garden, and he got along with his father. And he began to ponder what was about to take place. And he said this, Abba, Father, Abba, Father, Daddy, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Take this cup away from me. Take this cup away from me. I don't want to die. I don't want to be crucified. I don't want to be hung up naked on a cross. I don't want a spear thrust into my side. I don't want people spitting on me and ripping my beard out and beating my back till my body's falling apart. He said, Father, if there's any other way, do that one. He was fully man. I believe that was the most, the most, during the time in history when he became so, so much into the, the man part, he was saying, God, deliver me from this. You would say the same thing. I would say the same thing. But yet, listen to the rest of what he said. Nevertheless, nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. He submitted, he yielded to the Father's plan for his life. 
And it meant going to the cross. See, he didn't just pray the prayer. Father, whatever, not my will, but thine be done. When he said, but thine be done, he knew what that thine be done meant. It meant dying. Horrible death. That's what I want you to understand this morning. When you surrender, when you submit, it doesn't matter what God says for you to do. He's going to take you through it. He is going to be victorious in it. He's going to receive the glory for it. But we have got to be willing to surrender to his will. Jesus didn't just pray it. He lived it. And he went to the cross and he died for you and me. Listen, Moses yielded to God. He didn't want to, he didn't want to go back and lead the people out of Israel. Noah didn't, really didn't want to build an ark. He didn't even know what the thing was. Isaiah, man, he said, I'm a man of unclean lips. Okay, God, here I am. Send me. Take, use me. Throughout the scriptures, after every, every awesome man, awesome woman of the, of the gospel, they all surrendered at some point their will to God's will so that they could see God's plan come forth. But the, it's not stopped. We don't stop there. We're, if the Bible was still being written, we'd be in it. Still be writing our life out. And Harold at the age of 47 said, okay, God, not my will, but yours be done. You need to surrender, Harold. But God, I know what, I know what people do to pastors. <laughs> people are mean to pastors. People, they, they blame pastors for everything. No, God said, that's what I want you to do. I'll give you the strength to do it. He's calling you to do something. He's already called you to do something. What is it? Whatever it is, he'll give you the strength to do it, but you've got to do the yielding part. Would you stand? We have our ministry team at the front, please. A lot of people came forward in the first service because a lot of people just realized that they hadn't been yielding. And all of a sudden, they realized why they were having wrecks and ending up in the gutter, having to get a tow truck for their life. I remember saying that one time in a sermon. I said, you know, sometimes we get in a rut or we get stuck. And we got, it's like Jesus drives a tow truck and he comes and hooks us up and pulls us out. You know, some of you need to be pulled out of wherever you're, wherever you're going because you've not been submitting to God's will. It's planned for your life. I'm going to tell you something. I haven't mentioned this yet, but when you don't submit to his will and his plan, his purpose for life, you miss blessings. I just miss a lot of blessings. I wouldn't trade for what I do. Man, has it been easy all the time? No, but I wouldn't trade for what I do. Because I knew this was God's plan. And he might not be calling you to preach. He might be calling you to be yielding as a dad. Become the godly dad that you're supposed to be in your family or godly mom. I don't know what he's, he's, he's calling you to do. He might be calling you to be the most godly plumber in the city. Seriously. We need godly lawyers. <laughs> right? He may be calling you to politics. He might have, you might have had a vision. God's called me. I'm supposed to be in politics. Listen, we need godly men and women in politics. We just need them everywhere. I don't know what the calling is on your life, but you do. So bow your heads. I would just... just Holy Spirit, remind people in this room today the calling on their life, whatever it is.
And maybe they're, they've not yielded to your plan. But today is a new day. Your mercies are new every day. Today is the day that they're going to surrender again. I love that about you, Lord, that you're not a God that just cuts us off and says, no more, I'm not giving you any more opportunities. You're a God that says, my mercies are new every morning. And if he's called you, he'll equip you. He's, as he equips you, he will direct you. So whatever that is, let the Holy Spirit remind you. Let him speak to you this morning. Whatever that dream was, whatever that vision was, let him remind you this morning. And don't let the enemy rob another day. Because it sounds hard. With Jesus, it was hard, but he went. For Peter, it was hard, but he went. For Paul, it was difficult, but he went. And they fulfilled the desires of God's heart for their lives. So he's got a desire for your heart. He's got a desire for your life today. Would you submit to him and yield to him today? Father, right now, in Jesus' name, there are many people in this room that have hit a wall and they're just, they feel like there's no turning back, but there is. They can go back to that day. They can go back to that dream. And you can renew that within them and begin to fulfill it in them as they yield to you. Give them the strength even today to say yes to your will. In Jesus' name. Here's the invitation this morning. It's always for salvation. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, just step out and come. I want to pray for you. But specifically, besides that, specifically if there's a dream God's put in your heart and it's you just kind of got detracted from derailed from it. And God wants to get you back on track. I want you to step out and come and let some of these folks up here. They're going to take you to the, our prayer room, to the hallway out here. They're going to pray for you. Just go ahead and step out and come. Man, you're, you're just heavy with this. You have a call on your life. You, you just not follow through. Today, God says, I want you to follow through. I want to give you the strength to do that. Thank you, Lord. Y'all step out and come. Step out and come. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we want to pray with you this morning. Amen. 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 Come on. We got people. If When these get taken, we'll, somebody else will be up here to pray with you. So I'll stand by on life group pastors. Come on. you willing to yield to him this morning? Are you willing to let him have his way instead of your way? I'm telling you, his way is better. His way is better. His way is better. Come on, step out and come. Amen. Praise God. I want to pray with you. It's not, it's not about being shamed or anything like that. It's just recognizing that I want to step forward. I want to follow Christ. His plans for my life. Step out and come. Amen. Amen. Abe, can you come up and pray with some people, folks? Abe. Just be available. Some of you guys, I know. I'm, I'm, I can look at you and you're just like, man, it's too late, Pastor. I'm X number of years old. It's never too late. I think you went after Abraham when he was like 80. 
right? Noah, was, he was an old man. He was like several hundred years old. <laughs> he preached for 120 years. So it's never too late. Amen. Come on. Maybe you need prayer for healing this morning. Maybe you just need prayer for healing today. We want to pray for you for healing. And we believe that God still heals. We truly believe that with all of our hearts. We see miracle after miracle. We've seen heart disease healed. We've had like three times now with Tanya McKenzie's the latest. They said, your heart is done. There's just really nothing we can do for it. And, and it, this disease is only going to get worse. And they went in there to do the heart cath. And they said, well, we can't find anything wrong with your heart. All right? That's our God. Johnny Max here. He went to the doctor. And the doctor said, go home and get your affairs in order. And he goes, he gets prayer. And he goes to, to the, his last checkup. And they said, I don't know what those doctors are telling you there. But there's nothing wrong with your heart. He's right back there. Raise your hand, John. He knows. He's, he's sharing how God has touched his life. Frank Chopper in the first service, he was told that we're going to do a heart cath. We're going to have to put a stent in. This was two weeks ago. And they said, we're going to have to put a heart stent in. And they went in there the next day after we prayed for him. And they said, I don't know. We don't do surgeries like this. We, won't do, we don't do unnecessary things like this. But you don't need anything. Your heart's perfect. So maybe you've got a heart problem this morning. We want to pray for you. We want to pray for you because we've seen God move in that area. So we're going to press into that area. We've seen cancer healed. If you've, got, if you've been diagnosed with cancer, we want to pray for you. Man, don't, don't, don't leave this morning unless, you, man, you, unless everything's in order. Everything's all cool in your life. And you can go home and say, yeah, everything's good. But if you need prayer this morning, that's why they're here. That's why they're here. Anybody else need prayer? Why am I going to beg so long? Okay? I just don't want you to leave here without really getting everything God has for you. And I want to tell you, kids... We're all our kids. 